Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Time for School, Rock School, with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. Because in the 1970s, they thought it was cool to shoot the lasers at the audience. And Beth West. Whoa. Context. I'm going to go figure. Thank I, God I, you were here. I know what maser means, too. <laughs> Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show on the Rock School Radio Network, now up to, believe it or not, seven affiliates, so we're real pleased with that. My name is Joe Burns, broadcasting from the campus of Southeastern Louisiana University. Sitting in once again for the vacationing, Beth West is not Beth West. Dan McCarthy. It is Dan McCarthy, Our yes. plasma physicist <laughs> has decided to show up and help us out, which should be fun today because we are in the midst of our third show now in the history of a concert. When you look at a concert stage, everything on that stage has got a history to it, and you are as much a musician as you are a physicist. I'd say I'm a little more of a physicist than a musician, yeah. but I mean, I, in, a, in a, another life, I was certainly more of a musician. Now, so. I know you play trumpet, you play yes. keyboards. Mm -hmm. yes. What else do you play? Guitar, badly. Badly? Yeah, yeah, no. I do. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, pretty much I'm familiar with those instruments. So Trump you, will be my best. So if you play badly, you're a rhythm guitarist. Absolutely. Fantastic. I can read really bad leads. <laughs> well, <laughs> long as rhythm's there. Yep. We're going to start with uh, with the keyboard here ah. because we've we've done two shows. This is our extended show for the summer. You were part of last summer's extended show. Yeah, it was. With it was the four topics. So it's, uh, it's only fitting that you come back and uh, deal with this show. Since you are a keyboardist, let's not deal with people piano okay because the history of the piano is insane yeah <laughs> so let's deal with just the uh, the concept of sort of the electronic keyboards keyboards right. that use some semblance of uh what electricity i guess you yeah, would yeah, say yeah, right, right, with right. them mm -hmm. in 1874 an inventor mm -hmm. by the name of elijah gray comes up with what most people believe is the first true synthesizer called a musical telegraph Did it they... didn't do anything other than send messages did they have electricity then? I, I, I guess they did. I should know that. It was, an, it was enough that a wow. telegraph was using it. Okay, okay, okay. Right. And it, it, wow. a telegraph actually was one of the things that helped invent radio because yeah, people right. kept getting shocked by the wires. Mm. And people were wondering, well, why am I getting shocked? And it finally took a, a physicist, thank God for physicists. Right, there we go. There you are. There are some useless. They figured out that radio waves were coming off of the wires yes. and they needed to shield them more. Exactly. So the musical telegraph simply was a series of sounds sent over telegraph wires so instead of dots and dashes mm -hmm. he thought it would be better if they were tones right the wave yeah right so oh, right. in 1875 the electric telegraph for transmitting musical tones was given a patent if you want to go all the way back I, to 1875, there's your first synthesizer. Do you buy that? Is that true or no? I'd I buy it if I like to see someone use it on stage. That's that what I want to see. I want to see a band fun. with that instrument on stage. I want to see a solo on that. Then I'll buy it. <laughs> One key at a time. It must have a solo. Where the old Moogs work. <laughs> exactly One key right. at a time. Now, the oldest keyboard that was used on stage, you probably know this guy's Ooh. name, Ondis Marionneau. 
Don't know him, no, never no. heard of the guy. Ooh. He came up with a keyboard that used the oscillation of frequencies inside of vacuum tubes okay. and then sent out the tone through a series of speakers, and it sounded like a theremin. Oh, beautiful. And yeah, that's, that's a great sound, too. That's really the first actual on-stage piece. Stage being when? Like what circa... year are we talking about here? Early, early, early 1900s. Okay. Early 1900s. And, of course, Mariano, he's in Germany. Sure. Right. Yeah, no, it's France, of course. So let's play. I thought he was in Lafayette, actually. <laughs> no, no, just kidding. Okay. Uh, let's play something from keyboards here. We may and Zarek lost him. Was it this year we lost him? Oh, yeah, was it was. Yeah, yeah weeks ago. Here are the doors on the rock school. You know, the day destroys the night. Night divides the day. Try to run, try to hide. Break on through to the other side. Break on through to the other side. Talking keyboards, electronic keyboards here on Rock School with Dan McCarthy, our plasma physicist. You I'm say back. you play keyboard. What yes. do you have? I've just got a, well, I had a piano at home growing up, mm -hmm. and I just have a small little electric piano right now, and I just kind of um, will try to play like Bach preludes and stuff just to get You don't play favorite. rock? I thought you'd play no. rock. Well, that's, it's, I mean, No. If you can play Bach, I, you can it's try. Really, I'm really more interested in that, just to see if I can do it. And yeah, it's So it's a, so it's <laughs> yeah. a contest? It is, absolutely. Oh, it's I can a, imagine. Yeah, it, it keeps yep. me... The Hammond Corporation, as we continue talking about keyboards, the Hammond Corporation in 1934 comes out with the first electronic organ. Now, the organs before simply was... Air pipes, right? right yep. Being blown yeah. across a reed or a simply cut pipe, so air would escape through the front, exactly. thus creating a tone, right. pretty much like a flute. Exactly. Right. Yep. 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 However, the Hammond Organ Company in 1934 comes out with this radical different principle where they would have a set of spinning magnetic wheels called tone wheels, which mm. excited transducers and then generated an electronic signal. It all comes down to the concept of you have to create an electronic signal yes. at a specific frequency. That's that's the concept, and you have to have one at this point in time. Now, today, we do it through solid state, right. and it mm -hmm. the computer creates right. the frequency. But back then, when you pushed a specific key, a specific tone wheel spun, creating that specific frequency, and for however many keys you had, there was a specific tone wheel. Yeah, and it's it's the frequency has shapes to it, too. That's really important. That's what right. gives it the specific sound. Otherwise, it's like the A would sound like a flute if it was just straight. So, yeah, it's really turning an electric wave into a sound wave. That's right. it. It's the opposite of recording. We take a sound wave, turn an electric wave. Exactly. And you would think that there were other products at the time, and I guarantee yeah. there were. It's just that for some reason, Hammond created something that the keyboard and the music community went that's the one we like and it was made in hammond louisiana that's why it's called hammond right <laughs> i don't think oh, so oh come on it's, it's gotta made, be it's made by a guy named hammond oh yeah right. the hammond okay, corporation okay. plus they had a specific speaker that mm. would spin while oh, yeah, it worked which is why the the i think it's not the phase shifter phase was to create the concept of two microphones being set incorrectly. Okay. But the flange mm. concept was to recreate that Hammond 
spinning, weird sound that the organ got. And for some reason, the rock community, I have a theory of why they chose it, but the rock community grabbed the Hammond, specically the B3 keyboard, and accepted it. What do you my, think? I mean, my theory, I love the sound. Don't get me wrong. But well, my theory isn't so much that it was the sound. My theory was when you play a piano, it decays very quickly. Yeah, 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 right. Whereas a guitar does mm-hmm. not. A saxophone does right. not. As long as you keep blowing air into it. Yeah. And a guitar has the ability to create such sustain. The Hammond B3, as long as you kept that... Yeah, pushed down, right. it kept producing the sound. And also, it was kind of small, too. Right. I mean, it's right there, and you could see, I mean, I think of Greg Allman right there. You know, you could absolutely see him and that sound, and he was exactly. a real part of the Allman sound. And portable. And, exactly. You, you sat on the speaker. Right. That's the whole thing was, was you know, And with you Greg, you around. could put your can of pass blue ribbon on top, and then your ashtray. <laughs> it was multi-purpose. It's perfect see, for rock and roll. See, I had no idea. There I didn't bring go. that last part into well, that's it. That's why I'm here, Joe. Now I have it. Walks like a lady. It's Journey all the way back when Santana basically oh. made up Journey. This is Greg Raleigh playing on the B3 right here in Rock School. You like to hear some blues? Two of the best blues players in the whole world here tonight. She with the boy again. I wanna set you free. Doing the extended show on Rock School. Uh, lots of stuff that goes on to the stage. Uh, Dan McCarthy sitting in with us today. Hi there. Let's talk electronic piano. Fender Rhodes was the first electronic piano. Okay. Why is it a piano rather than an organ? Well, because it worked like a piano. Mm-hmm. When you push the key, a hammer came up and right. hit something. What did it hit? Well, it hit a tone bar. Ah. Okay, well, what makes it electronic piano? To each tone bar was attached a pickup right a so it was literally yep. a piano mm-hmm. were there other you know pianos out there well of course Wurlitzer had one but for some reason musicians again yeah we like that mm-hmm. that one um the beginning of just the way you are by billy joel oh yeah, yeah, yeah. there it is there it is there's that, your fender road essential yep yeah there you go it was made in 1946 wow. 48 was the years that it was uh, really the big one and if you are a keyboardist them's the years that mm-hmm. you want one from 1970 comes bob moog not yes, moog not I know it's got two O's, but it's Moog. First synthesizer, uh, three-and-a-half-octave keyboard, completely wholly in digital, and in 1983, MIDI was invented. Now, MIDI, some people get mixed up with it. It simply stands for Musical Instrument Digital Interface. All it does, and by today's standards, it seems like such a joke. A lot of these things seem like such a joke by today's standards. But in 1983, allowing all these instruments that never spoke to one another to speak to one another was an amazing breakthrough. So all of a sudden, all these musical instruments that had electronic capabilities Mm -hmm. to go into a computer, and now we're all able to feed a single beast. Mm -hmm. That was really something. Yeah, I mean, it's... um 
it, you just think about, I remember like when four track recording was a huge, massive breakthrough, you know, and know. then they go to like eight and now you just can't even imagine, you know, well, so it's these we, breakthroughs. Yeah, you're right. We have uh, five computers upstairs, five Macintoshes that have 48 track capabilities <laughs> through Pro Tools. <laughs> I mean, I bought them, I think, for $11,000 exactly. a piece. And today, and that was five years yeah. ago, today I could probably get 48 tracks for a Mac uh, laptop. There's an app for, for that, nothing. probably. I bet there's an app for that. <laughs> 99 cents, you can do it. it. It's nuts. I don't yeah, doubt it. It's it. just amazing. We'll play one more for the keyboard, get into the break. Dennis DeYoung, uh, it's really too bad he's such a weirdo, and he is that he got yeah. kicked out of sticks. Well, he just, yeah, a uh, little arrogance there. I think Agreed. he, um, yeah. Agreed. Uh, finally, the guys of Sticks just had enough. <laughs> Blue collar man in high school. First break here on Rock School, and we're talking anything that can be on a stage when you go to see a concert. When's the last concert you went to that had pyrotechnics? Man. Do you remember? Uh, it's been a long, it might have been like a, an old Paul McCartney show. Yeah, it's been a while yeah. since the uh, the fire up in Rhode, up Island. Rhode Island. Yeah, great white. They've right. quit a lot of that. Yeah. However, they're still used a great deal uh, in outdoor concerts. When was the first pyrotechnics? Nobody's really sure. If you want to be picky, the 1812 Overture, when it was first go. created, had <laughs> cannons. cannons right. Right. <laughs> they brought out and boom, and off right. it went. What about rock music? Mm. Here are some suggestions I found online. Do you remember Arthur Brown? I am the god of hellfire. hellfire. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. He used to come out with a flaming hat that looked oh. like... Uh, Horns, all right, and they were being fed by a gas line. Okay, do you consider that pyrotechnics? That's sixty-eight. I consider it stupid. Yeah, well, he caught his hair on fire. Okay, there you go. There's your stupid. Pink Floyd Mm. in seventy-three, Dark Side of the Moon, flew a model plane into a wall and then had pyrotechnic explosions going on around. Wow. Well, is that the first? Pretty rock and roll, whatever it it is. It is, whether it is or not. Uh, It says here, obviously, Michael Jackson blew up his hair in 1984. Mm -hmm. Blackie Lawless blew up his crotch when he was wearing a flaming cod piece. There we go. That was 85. (laughs) Now that's rock and roll. Uh, James Hetfield, of course, got too close to pyrotechnics in Mm -hmm. 92. And, of course, then there is the Station Club Fire, which we were talking about, in West Warwick, Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, I just remember the only the only real pyrotechnic comedy I remember. I went to see Triumph one time, and you could tell when the pyrotechnics were going to go off because uh, Rick Emmett and Mike Levine, the bassist and the, and the okay. guitarist, ran back to the drums <laughs> and turned their backs. Boom! And then they came running back to the front of the stage, so they knew when it was going to go off. Didn't Keith Moon blow up his drums in the Smothers Brothers show and harmed yeah, is, yeah, Townsend's right. ears? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if that's pyrotechnics. Either, so but that's that's. A pretty much the opening or the beginnings of it whether that was the very first yeah. i'm not sure but coming out of the break i'm going to give you a few 
if you will, names and see if you can tell me what the pyrotechnic actually Ooh, is. Go. As you can see, I've got a list of, he's going for his glasses. All right, I need my glasses yeah. for these. I have a list of, what do you say, about 25 of them yeah, there? About that. Now, you can't look Good at them because I'm going to ask you oh, what they no. are. Hello, uh, who am I going to do? Radio Universidad Salamanca, Spain. Who do you got? KSLU in Baton Rouge. Very good. Uh, get us on Facebook, search Rock School Radio Show, and like us. You really like us. Back in a minute here on the show. All right, coming out of the break, here you go, a little test for the teacher. Here. I'm a physicist, not a chemist, so <laughs> okay. disclaimers already. Let's hear it, Joe. Tell me, <laughs> what are these pyrotechnics? Okay. Uh, what's a GURB? A GURB? Um, don't know. It's a fountain of sparks. Who <laughs> is it? It is. What's a Saxon? Saxon, uh, he's a really mean guy from Northern Europe. It is a wheel that spins and emits a shower of sparks. When I saw Alice Cooper a couple years ago, they had Saxons all over the place. There you it go. It was amazing. Now you know. Yes. What's a squib? I'll give you one you may know. A squib. Um, isn't that the um, from Harry Potter when they're uh, they're kind of a wizard that doesn't have any powers? No. Okay, it's a sorry. small, electronically initiated device replicating bullet hits. <laughs> well, of course. Well, there you go. Uh, let's see here. What is a what is flash cotton? How about that? Flash cotton is something that's cottony and it flashes when see? it sits on fire. See, there you go. There you go. Yeah, no, it's it's when you when you burn it, it poofs and goes okay. extremely loud. How about this concussion grenade? Uh, a really loud grenade that'll give you a concussion. That's what it does. It just that's goes it. boom. Oh my god! Uh, and I'll give you one more: <laughs> uh, an airburst. You see air these all the time. In fact, this is what caused the. Uh, the thing in Warwick, Rhode Island. Oh, with things that pop out of the ground and explode. Exactly. In the air. Right. Pop yeah. Up and <laughs> Which aren't yeah. good in a ten-foot high clubs. My God, why did they with fire those foam things off? on the ceiling? Yeah. It's oh. so easy to sit here afterwards as such oh. smart human yeah. beings. We we wouldn't have done yeah. that. They've probably done it a exactly. hundred times yep. before. Never had a problem. I know. But that's the thing. So sad. Here is Pat Travers. Boom, boom. Out go the lights. Go lights. Rock school. All right, coming out of Pat Travers, Canadian Pat Travers, ladies mm. and gentlemen, here on Rock School. Let's take a break from talking about concerts and do seven days in 70 seconds. Something that happened on all of these dates, June 17th through June 23rd. We'll also do the names. I'm Joe Burns. Dan McCarthy. Dan has Monday. Go. All right, June 17th, 1980, Led Zeppelin started their final tour. June 18th, 2000, it was reported that sales of pirated CDs now exceeded more than $200 million per year and accounted for one in every five CDs sold. It was suggested that it was costing the music industry $3 billion in sales each year. June 19th, 1988, over 3,000 East Germans amassed to hear Michael Jackson play a concert at the Berlin Wall. Problem was, Jackson was playing on the western side of the wall. June 20th, Jimmy Buffett announced he had partnered with gambling company Coastal Marina to buy out holdings from Trump Casino in New York, $316 million. The deal included clothing, footwear, merchandising. Rolling Stone estimated Buffett's profits at around 
$44 million. How did Buffett get 316 in the first place? I'm sure question. most wow. of it was the gambling yeah. company. Okay. Yeah. They needed his name. That was it. I guarantee it. Uh, June 21st, 1999, Pantera rode afloat during the Dallas Stars Stanley Cup Victory Parade. Why? They had written the Stars theme song that year. There you go. June 22nd, 1969, Blind Faith's one and only album is released. One and only studio album. Oh, yeah. They had a live one as well. All right. So you can get a couple of Blind Faith albums mm. if you want. And then June 23rd, 2003, Eminem pulls a chain off his neck and says he's going to give it to the sexiest woman he sees. He does. She has it appraised. $450,000. Oh, no. She sells it. I Good sold for it too. Her. I would have too. All right, let's talk about more stuff that's going on in a concert. Last concert you were at, did they have LED screens behind them? Absolutely. Yeah, we, we're, yeah. Jazz Fest, I assume, Jazz was the last yeah, one you yeah. went to. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of commonplace. Right. If, unless you're in a club, you expect to be able to mm-hmm. get up close and personal with the band. Yeah. You want to be able to see the blue eyes of John Bon Jovi when you go <laughs> to see them play. Largest one to date, U2's 74-ton, 360-degree <sighs> screen. You want some statistics? Oh, God. It's based on, now, being a, a, you know, a plasma physicist, you may know what this is. It's based on the Haberman sphere. Any idea what that is? is? No, I don't. No, okay. I don't know that. Weird. It's a crisscrossed network of aluminum, 25 kilometers of cables, 888 LED screens comprised of more than 1 million different pieces. Each LED screen has a half a million RGB pixels. When Ooh. fully expanded, the seven-story shape swallows the band in more than 3,800 square feet of space. It's assembled in eight hours, and the band owns... Two of them. That is insane. Yeah, so one is set up oh while they're playing a concert in another town. Oh. <laughs> That's the reason they have two of them. That's insane. That's just, yeah. Yeah, you two. I don't know what they're going to do for their next their next concert I they mean, should they just do a club tour themselves. you're right they, that's what they should do they should play house of blues <laughs> or, so, i mean honestly the parking lot at albertson's I'm with you <laughs> get on your get on your boots it's you too on rock school okay second break here on rock school and we were just talking about the led screen and you were saying anymore that people don't watch the concerts no they watch the screen. And they'll spend a lot of money to watch that screen. And, and what's the point? I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. I, I, you know, The last concert I went to, live concert I went to, was Judas Priest, and they did not have a screen. Uh-huh. Or if they did, they weren't showing the band. Right. I'm, I'm wrong. They did have a screen. But they weren't showing the band. They yeah. were showing like little films okay. behind the band. That's but how it works. Then again, we were in a hard rock. Yeah. I was yeah, yeah, close yeah, yeah. enough right. that I could, I could see the band, but... Yeah, I went to see Van Halen, and they had the screen, and I found myself watching the screen more than I was watching the band. Just stay at home and get the pay-per-view. I mean, uh, you're right. <laughs> the DVD. You're it's more comfortable. Uh, you can yeah, pause it. I don't know. It says here, most of this started in the 1990s, growing fast until, it seems, you're required to have one now. Mm-hmm. The contemporary concert screen was basically started, it states, in the 1960s with the idea of light shows and psychedelic oil and liquid stage effects right. in San Francisco. Fair enough. They would basically take an overhead yeah. 
and then show oil and water up on the screen. <laughs> that works. It says here, <laughs> Jake Barry, who worked on the U2 set, remembers a Yes tour in which there was a projector on a track behind the stage that showed images of clouds on the screen. And it would take a wheel to move this thing back and forth to give the images that the or the give the impression that the clouds were moving. Wow. And that's the earliest he can remember. The earliest that he knows for a fact showed the band was nineteen seventy seven, and that was the Animals tour for really? Pink Floyd. Oh, okay. I thought you meant Eric Byrne and the Animals. No, 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 no. Okay. But yeah, the Animals tour for Pink Floyd. And he said ah. that's the first time he knows for sure that the band was shown on the screen. And I'm positive that there was also the pig yeah. and the sheep, three different ones. And You know, was... funny, that, that thing was really kind of the start of when punk kicked into gear. And it was a reaction against this larger-than-life, over-the-top type thing. You know, like right. you know, Sid Vicious wearing I Hate Pink Floyd. And that was all right. that. And they just took this this huge level. And it was kind of, there was a reaction the other way. Yeah, we way. quit. Let's save DIY. Right. And yeah, we'll do it ourselves. Hello, WBSD Burlington, Wisconsin. Thanks for running the radio show. And KSCL up in Shreveport. Good. You blew right through those letters. That normally trips people up. Yeah, <laughs> well done. Back in a minute on Rock School. <laughs> Coming out of the break, Mr. Physicist. Mm. Here we go. Lasers. Oh, lasers. Lasers. There we Again, go. I, they're at all kinds they of concerts. Are, yeah. I've seen them. Right. I can't tell you. What does laser mean? Do you know? Light amplification stimulated by the emission of radiation. Yes. Whoa. How about that? Go figure. Thank I, God I, you were here. I know what maser means, too. <laughs> What's maser? It's microwave application. So it's a is, different frequency. Is that, what, is that what heated up my dinner last night? No, that's just microwaves. That just plain you know, old microwaves. Uh, something else. But. Apparently, May 16th, 1960, Theodore H. Maimon, M-A-I-M-E-N, Operated the first mm. functioning laser at Hughes Research Laboratories, Malibu, Malibu California. Am I, I right about that. that? I believe that. Okay, take that. For I thought it was Bell Labs, but that could be the transistor. Let's pretend that. it was Bell Labs then. Yeah, no, or why? No, you're probably right. Okay. Uh, according to this, the United States has numerous laws that you must follow which are regulated by the Food and Drug Administration. <laughs> what? <laughs> and it's what it says. Wow. And state regulatory agencies, such as New York State, that requires specific licensure if you intend to use lasers inside of your concerts. I did, the FDA, huh? FDA. It's the Food and Drug Administration. Jeez. And considerations must be taken at outdoor concerts mm -hmm. if you are going to be shooting them anywhere near mountain populations or... Air traffic. Air, I would say airports, yeah. Right. Yeah, air yeah, traffic. That makes sense, yeah. Now, it says here, laser light shows fully emerged in the 1970s and became a form of psychedelic entertainment, mm. usually accompanied with a live music performance or pre-recorded music. The problem is, in the 1970s, why did they start being concerned about this? Because in the 1970s, they thought it was cool to shoot the lasers at the audience. That's bad if it hits your eye. Well, they didn't They didn't yeah. know about it. Yeah, yeah. They used to think smoking was great. <laughs> you think the FDA would figure that out, right? <laughs> That's right. But they shot it at the Go people. Figure. And people would leave the concert not only with their ears ringing, but their eyes nice. hurting. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they Ow. figured it out. So, all right, who was the first to do it? We'll come back. We'll talk about that. And I have some neat little stories from people who were supposedly at the first 
laser shows, and they have stories of strange smells. Oh, wow. Yeah, they probably Wait shouldn't have been there. Okay. Yeah. Not the strange smells I'm thinking about. No, no. Strange okay. smells from... Maybe that thing shouldn't be running oh, at the heat. No. It is. It's ELO, Electric Light Orchestra, Sweet Talking Woman in Rock School. Okay, wrapping up the show, but not the topic. I have easily enough, as you can see, four more pieces of paper in front of me. Easily enough to do one more show and wrap it up next week. Who was the first to do lasers? Okay. Floyd's got to go. Got to go Pink there. Floyd. Yeah, yeah got to yeah. do. According to, and this is, this is just from a blog that people are, I have no way of saying that, yes, this is correct. And I'm just going to give you what people said. Mm -hmm. According to this blog, The Who, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, a rotating laser pyramid, and electric mm. light orchestra were all in 1976. So, really? Okay. Did Zeppelin do that in 76? Now, this says okay. in 75, the Blue Oyster Cult mm. used a laser on tour to support their album Spectrus, which showed a staged portrait of the band members seated amongst laser beams. And in 78, uh, Electric Light Orchestra used uh, on their Out of the Blue tour for huh. their Flying Saucer. Right. So now we're back to 75. It says here, The Who introduced the effect to the UK for the first time at an unlikely Grand Halls Leicester. Or, am I right? Leicester? L-E-I-C-E-S-T-E-R. Lester. 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 Yeah. Uh, October 18th, 75, Zeppelin used a single beam, <laughs> Earl's Court, the previous May. So what do you do with a single beam? Back. Impress people. It's never Yay, been done it's a light. before. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Look at me. It's a lightsaber. <laughs> it says here, yes, use lasers at Roosevelt Stadium, New Jersey, the summer of 75. Uh, Wings over America, 75 mm -hmm. at the Forum, used a single laser beam. <laughs> and another guy stated that I saw Blue Oyster Cult in 75 at the start of the show. Buck Dharma pointed a laser at a mirror ball. And it was like shards of glass flying oh, towards you, look, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So realistic that we ducked out of the way. Wow. And during the drum solo, they changed it to green. He says, <laughs> however, I recall a sulfuric smell, which shouldn't have bothered me, but did. So which is which is first? I don't. Uh, it is does it even matter? Blue Oyster Cult. I mean, yeah, Blue Oyster Cult. So. Probably the most impressive one was, the first impressive one was probably Pink Floyd. Probably. I would guess. I mean, having one laser, is that a laser show? No. I mean, but it's I'd rather like see that out. guy play that telegraph on stage instead of seeing right. one laser. That's that what would I would, be cool. That's what I would like to see. Because you can, yeah, it, it's lipstick on a pig. There we go. <laughs> Very neat show. Can you perform the music? All right. Remember Boston had trouble with their first shows? Mm. They couldn't reproduce the music. Yeah. So they played the tapes. Oh. And that got them in trouble. Ooh. So, Dan, thanks for coming in. Pleasure, Joe. I appreciate really it. I feel, appreciate like, I feel it. like you're the, the Warren Haynes of radio and that <laughs> you just bring on people, you tour with everyone, do everyone. It's just like, That's going to wrap it up. I'm Joe Burns. Dan McCarthy. That'll do it. Uh, we're going to finish up with Blinded by the Light. Appropriately enough, class is dismissed. Blinded by the Light.